Hello, this is Randy Moon, and welcome to the Holiday Moons Podcast, where we share our love for the holidays with you year-round. This is Beth, and I'm going to be talking about the first day of spring. This is Cole, and I'm going to be talking about a few of those dark fairy tales that we draw some of our holidays from. And this is Sydney, and do you have any trips coming up? Well, I will be talking about some fun travel apps that could help you with your planning. That is very fun. Looking forward to all those topics today. But first, what holiday happenings do we have for the week? Well, yesterday, as we're recording this, yesterday was February 29th, which was the leap year. So happy birthday to all those leapers out there. That's right. It was a leap day yesterday. We won't see one of those again until when? Who even knows? Four years. Oh, yeah, that's true. Four years. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Also, we finally took down our winter decor from the inside of the house, um, so that's a plus, and we moved on, and now we're moving our Easter slash spring items out. And we, in addition to our... Um, St. Patrick's Day items are still out with us. So we've got the mix of holidays, just like the stores do. Right. <laughs> we have the St. Patrick's sections, and then Easter's actually one of the bigger holidays in the sheer amount of decor that we put out right so it takes up pretty much the whole space we don't have to put out too many general decorations no at this and, point yeah so we actually have spring decorations that will come out after the easter spring summer spring summer right right and last week was mardi gras ash wednesday in the beginning of lent so hope that week went well for you if you um, enjoyed Mardi Gras, I hope you've recovered since then. <laughs> and if you gave up something for Lent, well, hope that's going well for you. That's right. Did anybody here give anything up for Lent? Nope. I think, I think that's <laughs> heads shaking across the board. Yeah. Well, today I'm going to be talking about the first day of spring. I'm going to be focused on the Northern Hemisphere. And I got my information from Calendarpedia.com and the Farmer's Almanac, Almanac.com. Most of my information. So there's two ways to define the start and end of spring. One is the meteorological spring, and the other is the astronomical spring. But not the astrological spring. But not the astrological. That <laughs> right. Somebody else can cover that. <laughs> I'm covering the astronomical. But I'm going to first start with the easier one, which is the meteorological spring. It's not easier to say. It's not easier to say. <laughs> but... Meteorologists define the seasons based on climatic conditions and annual temperatures. The length of the astronomical seasons varies between 89 and 93 days. The length of the meteorological season is fixed. So winter is 90 days, 91 in a leap year. Spring is, and summer are 92 days. Autumn is 91 days. So for the meteorological spring, today would be the first day of spring. Spring begins on March 1st and is the months of March, April, and May. So that's, to me, that sounds like a much easier spring. (laughs) (laughs) Boom, spring. So the astronomical is more complex and older. It's astronomically more complex. (laughs) It is, it is. But it is the one that we, we generally point to as the beginning of spring. It is, absolutely. So, in the astronomical calendar, the start and end dates are based on the position of the Earth in relation to the Sun, which results in equinoxes and solstices. So, winter ends and spring starts at the moment of the March equinox, 
which occurs every year between March 19th and March 21st. So there's a little variety there. That's for the Northern Hemisphere. I'm talking about the Northern Hemisphere. If we want to cover the Southern Hemisphere, we can do that another time. Right now, I'm not going to confuse the issue. Northern Hemisphere. So then spring ends at the moment of the June solstice, which is between June 20th and 22nd. And equinox comes from the Latin words for equal night. Equus, which I'm guessing that's how you say it, means equal and nox for night. On the equinox, the length of day and night is nearly equal in all parts of the world. So on the March equinox, the sun crosses the celestial equator from south to north. It's called the celestial equator because it's an imaginary line in the sky above the Earth's equator. (laughs) Above the Earth's imaginary line, the equator. (laughs) So the equinoxes are the only two times a year that the sun rises due east and sets due west for those of us on Earth. After the spring equinox... The northern hemisphere tilts toward the sun, which is why we start to get longer, sunnier days. So there's a synopsis, probably a very short synopsis, of an equinox. Now, it's always tilting. It's just the fact that as you rotate around the sun, the tilt is now, instead of away from the sun in winter for us, it's now towards the sun. Exactly. It made that shift um, at the March equinox. Right. Definitely. And it varies each year. It's not always the same point in the calendar each year because our calendars aren't perfect, which is why we have leap days and leap seconds and those sorts of things. So depending on where we are with that, it could be March 19th or March 20th. Or 21st. Or 21st. Right. And that's more rare probably. Right. And so is the 19th. So in 2020, the spring equinox, which is also called the March equinox or the vernal equinox, is on Thursday, March 19th, which is earlier than it's been in over a century. For much of the last century, the spring equinox has occurred on March 20th or 21st, as you were saying. This year, the ha- equinox happens to be on the 19th, making it the earliest spring we'll have seen in our lives. The last time spring arrived this early was in 1896, which is 124 years ago. Wow. Yeah, so just know how special this equinox is. So Punxsutawney Phil was absolutely right. Early spring. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Very early spring. That's true. Astronomically early spring. Yep. Yep. That's true. And it's interesting because when you were saying about the different... Days and times that the equinox occurs. This year, the spring equinox is March 19th at 11.50 p.m. For the next three years, it's on March 20th, but at different times. Hmm. So I found that interesting, too. And again, that makes it more complex. So spring can begin either on March 1st or on the March equinox, depending on which perspective you look at and prefer. I prefer the equinox. Yeah, and most of our calendars and most of the the posts and things you see are of the equinox. We often, I, don't, I doubt we're going to get it this year, but we have often gotten snowstorms in early March. Um, so I think I prefer March, the vernal e- equinox better because it's a little bit closer to not having snowstorms. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> yeah. But you never know. We can get snow late March sometimes too. You can. That was very interesting to me. I really didn't know a lot about it. The started digging into the meteorological spring, and it was like, this is fast and easy. Yep. 
March first, boom. See, I kind of, I kind of like that because maybe it's just because I think of um, like St. Patrick's Day, uh, associating that with March and thinking of it as kind of like a, like weirdly like a greener right. month. Yeah. And I don't think of that as being. I don't. I just don't think of it as being a winter month at all. So it makes sense in my head yeah. that March is the first month of spring so right. it starts at the beginning of march so yeah. i actually like that a lot more i bet a lot of people kind of get start to get in the spring mood when it hits march yep yeah i am <laughs> yeah you are you've been waiting for warmer weather yes i have and it's not come so far <laughs> not yesterday today it's starting to warm up here so no, we actually had some in december but then it got cold uh yeah all of a sudden then crazy weather crazy weather well you know the weather and all those uh, all those fairy tales always seems to be dark and dreary and pre-spring, pre-spring, <laughs> uh, or spring. A lot of them seem to actually take place in spring. Now that I think about it, do they? Um, not a lot of not a lot of uh, summertime. I guess maybe because they are dark. Not a lot of uh, bright summertime kind of fairy tales from uh, from Germany, especially. Those are the ones that I'm going to be taking a look at the uh, the fairy tales that are. Uh, from Germany, because they're, I think, the most, uh, what we think of as the most dark ones. They sure are. Yeah. Um, so, I think a lot of the festivals and the um, different events that we talk about come from kind of these dark folk origins, um, kind of like um, the Jack, Jack-o'-lantern thing, and uh, I know the uh, Nutcrackers with scaring away the bad spirits and all of that. And in America, a lot of our traditions do come from Germany. Punxsutawney Phil comes from Germany. Right. I didn't look him up. Uh, but he's a nice thing. Right. He's right. A nice <laughs> I feel like he... he <laughs> it wouldn't be ridiculous if he had some horrible origin <laughs> back But in. he doesn't. He's just a badger. Yeah. Wannabe. <laughs> um, yep, so... It was actually interesting because what I wanted to do was I wanted to look up why German fairy tales specifically were so dark. Because there's a lot of dark fairy tales all over the world. But the German ones seem to all be dark. <laughs> uh, and gruesome in many different ways. And I think the, uh, the Brothers Grimm are the most famous right. for gathering up all of these folk stories. They didn't actually write them themselves. They gathered up all these uh, usually rural folk stories... And put them together in this book that they published in, I think their first one was 1812. Yeah, so they were worried that a lot of the old folk traditions were dying out. Um, because these, were, uh, these weren't written down, they were just kind of passed from generation to generation. Uh, so the Grimms went around the different German states gathering up these folk stories and uh, compiling them in this book. And the interesting thing is that a lot of these stories actually had horrible endings. Like gruesome endings, violent endings. Oh yeah, like Cinderella, Snow White. I mean, right. No, well, here's the thing: is that those all had happy endings in the Grimm stories. The original rural folk stories were the ones that had horrible endings, and the Grimm's actually modified a lot of them so they would have really happy endings. Still very gruesome, but still, still very gruesome. They didn't water them down. This is by, yeah. like, 19th century German standards watering it down. Right. This isn't Disney. By just not having, <laughs> uh, like, oh, the child was not cut into pieces at the end of this story. They were, they made it out alive. Yeah. But all the 
same horrible things leading up to that point did it still occur. Yeah. So I listened to a, a podcast called the Disney Story Origins Podcast where they basically compare the original story of like Cinderella or Snow White versus the Disney one. So they'll kind of go back and forth scene by scene yeah. and tell you what the differences are. So it's kind of funny to listen to and much more adult on the written version right. than on the Disney version. Right. And I think in the, uh, I remember reading the original Cinderella, I think the original Cinderella was the first Grimm story that I read. Uh, and all the glass, you know, the glass slipper and that stuff was all the same. But I remember the stepsisters, uh, their feet were too big for the slippers. So the first one cut off her toes. Yeah. And the prince was warned by a dove that there was blood in the shoe. Oh. And then the second one cut off her heel. And then yeah. the doves, doves were just... Tattletails? Yes. <laughs> Snitches. <laughs> I guess. Uh, I, I thought I remembered uh, it was a crow in the story that I had read, but um, when I back, went back and reread it, it was doves, which was more pleasant, I guess, but seemed yeah. less German to me. Well, and, the steps, <laughs> and the stepsisters had very horrible endings, I remember. Yeah. Well, I remember in one of... <laughs> Cinderella, <laughs> Cinderella, interestingly, is a story that actually has a ton of different versions um, which not all of those grim fairy tales do, but there's, a, in a ton of different cultures, a ton of different versions. And in some versions, the stepsisters marry a uh, gentleman of the court, and in some, they die or horrible things happen to them. Uh, but what I want to do as kind of a, a fun activity for us today is I'm going to take two of the grim fairy tales, and I'm going to read a plot synopsis of both of them. Um, very well known, so we will know these stories. But there's going to be a couple of key things that are wrong about these stories that I have changed about these stories. So um, it's going to be two stories, and there's two things wrong with each of these stories. Okay, and these um, are, and you're going to do one. We listen to the entire thing. You listen and we to the tell entire you. thing, and okay. then you can tell me what. Uh, what you think is wrong with it. Okay. And if you can guess one, then you get a point. If you can guess both, then you get three points. If the same person guesses both, three points. Um, otherwise, you know, one point to whoever guesses one of these are, things. Are these the grim versions? These are the grim versions. Okay. That was my other question. <laughs> okay, so first of all, we have Hansel and Gretel. So the story is set in medieval Germany. Hansel and Gretel are the children of a poor woodcutter, and when a famine settles over the land, the woodcutter's wife, who is the stepmother to Hansel and Gretel, decides to take the children into the woods and leave them there to fend for themselves so that she and her husband will not starve to death. So the father eagerly agrees, but Hansel overhears this and gathers white pebbles. When their father does abandon them, Hansel has left a trail of pebbles behind so that they will find their way home. Their father reluctantly takes them back in, uh, but famine happens again, and this time the stepmother locks the door, keeping the children from gathering pebbles. They try to use bread to leave a trail for themselves to go back home, but the bread is eaten by birds. They come across the house of a witch made from sweets and breads, and the witch traps them inside and makes them work all day and fattens them up to eat them. When she thinks the time is right, she traps Hansel in one of her large ovens, and she tries to trick Gretel into jumping into an oven to see if it's hot enough yet. Gretel plays dumb and says that she doesn't understand what the witch is saying, and when the witch jumps in to demonstrate, 
Gretel closes it on her and burns her alive. All right, so I don't remember the f- that they um, went out and then they came back and they used stones the first time. So I'm going to guess that one of the plot things is that they didn't do it twice. They, they only did it once. They actually did do it twice. They did it with pebbles first and then with bread. Hmm. All right, I'm thinking that maybe... Maybe the... I know the witch got burned, but I thought... I thought Gretel pushed her in the oven and shut it. But I'm not sure how that came about. Because Hansel... Hansel was the one that was going to be eaten first, right? And he kept giving her a bone. So she was never fat enough. Because she couldn't see very well. I'm just remembering stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So maybe Hansel wasn't in one of the ovens? Right. Yeah. So you've identified one of the things that's wrong... With the story. But not specifically. But not specifically. Okay. Do you want me to repeat that part of the, uh, yeah, of go the ahead. story here? Okay. So, the witch traps them and makes them work all day. And when she thinks the tr- time is right, she traps Hansel in one of her great ovens. And she tries to trick Gretel into jumping into an oven to see if it's hot enough yet. Hansel um, wasn't trapped in the oven. And that the children weren't made to work because... I imagine that working them wouldn't help with fattening them up. Okay. Okay. So you were I, you were hotter and then you got colder. Okay. Wait. I think those are two I'm gonna, separate things. Yeah. I'm gonna add onto her thing. Wasn't Hansel trapped? Wasn't he kept in a cage? And Gretel's the one that worked. Maybe. And that's what. And Hansel was being fattened up. Gretel was the the little worker. Um. But then I don't remember how. I don't know if the witch was putting wood in the fire or something and Hansel pushed her in and she gave her a kick in the bum right <laughs> and pushed her in and clo- and shut the oven and then it burned her up okay because um, it doesn't sound like we're gonna get there so I'm gonna give that point to Sydney because she's the one who said that Hansel wasn't in the oven so at this time Hansel was in a large cooking pot oh that he was Weird. having the witch was having Gretel heat up to boil him oh um that's so yep. bad so that's that's <laughs> grim but that point goes to sydney so okay uh, there's so one other one. thing wrong with it yep have we come close to it yet uh no you have not we have not come close to it yet you have not so, come closer yet but it's so then the witch did jump into an oven to show gretel how to do it she did because she's dumb she, she's she was not. I know, but that's so weird. Yep. So right. um, maybe it is it something to do with the stepmother that wasn't it, the uh, mother wasn't a stepmother. It's something to do with their family. Something to do with their family. So the father did it. It wasn't a stepmother. It was the father. No. Oh, thank goodness. That would be terrible. <laughs> did they have a stepmother? They did have a stepmother. I remember that. So I can read that first part. Yeah, read that first. Part. Okay. So. When a famine settles over the land, the woodcutter's wife decides to take the children into the woods and leave them to fend for themselves so that he, she and her husband will not starve to death. Their father eagerly agrees, and but Hansel overhears this and gathers white pebbles. When their father does abandon them, Hansel has left a trail of pebbles behind so that they will find their right home. Their father reluctantly takes them back in, but famine happens again, and this time the stepmother locks the door, keeping the children from gathering. So I'm going to... I'm going to guess that the dad didn't know anything about it. 
Or he was reluctant. He was. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. I said I had that in my head too. Okay. Um, <laughs> he, I, was, I was going to give you the point, but I Sydney was more specific, I so gotcha. I'm going to give it to her. So that's three points to Sydney. He was um, very reluctant and very to mom too. <laughs> um, unenthusiastic about the children being left behind, and he um, was overjoyed when they found their way back home. So it was evil stepmother. So it was the evil stepmother. So the two things that were wrong with that was that the father was happy to have them back and Hansel was actually in a big boiling pot. Okay. Fun. Fun. <laughs> so uh, one fun little story for you. The next one is also one of the most famous grim fairy tales and that is Little Red Riding Hood. Oh, another one I don't know well. <laughs> um, but you know the spirit of it mm-hmm. well. Um, so, Little Red Riding Hood is going to visit her sickly grandmother with a basket full of food, and the wolf along the trail wants to eat her and the food that's in her basket. I will never know why the wolf goes through so much trouble and doesn't just attack her on the road. Yeah. The story doesn't say, but um, that's not part of my synopsis. So, the wolf approaches her along the path, and she naively tells him where she is going. He suggests that she picks some flowers as a present for her grandmother, which she does, and in the meantime, he goes to the grandmother's house and gains entry by pretending to be the girl. He kills and skins the grandma and waits for the girl disguised as the grandma wearing her face. When the girl arrives, she notices that her grandmother looks very strange. Then Red says, what a deep voice you have. And the better to greet you with, responds the wolf. Goodness, what big eyes you have, the better to see you with. What big hands you have, the better to embrace you with. And lastly, what a big mouth you have, the better to eat you with. At which point the wolf jumps out of the bed and eats her whole and then falls asleep. A hunter who has been tracking the wolf later arrives and decapitates the wolf while it sleeps and then cuts it open and pulls Red Riding Hood out to safety. He ate her whole? Yep. (laughs) So my guess is he did not skin the grandma. He just um, took her clothes and he gobbled her up. And then husband randomly came around, saw the wolf and what happened, opened the wolf and retrieved the Red Riding Hood and her grandmother. So the first one's correct that he um, did not skin the grandmother. He just ate her. That was my guess too. (laughs) <laughs> well, and, okay, so <laughs> I my guess is that he didn't pretend to be Red Riding Hood when he got there. That is correct. He did pretend to be Red Riding Hood, so the grandmother must have been senile. Or, or couldn't, just couldn't see, see well. Or just couldn't see or hear yeah. well. All right. So we're um, but the, second one? The, the second one, you're very close, so unless someone could give me a more specific answer. Wait, you said huntsman? Uh, a hunter. Isn't it a woodsman? Uh, different stories say hunter or woodsman. It's, so it's a woodsman in okay. the French version. It's a hunter in the German version. Oh, I, I chose the fancy version. <laughs> so did the wolf eat her whole? Eat who whole? Red, Rod, Red Riding Hood. Yes, the wolf did eat her whole. So, okay. So did he pull both Red Riding Hood and the grandmother out to safety? That's what, that's, that's what Sydney said. Oh. Um, and then apparently the answer was no. Okay, I didn't hear you say that. I, I'm going to give it to Sydney the, f- because part of yours was correct and part of yours was wrong because you gave a compound 
answer. Okay. Um, the part of yours that was correct was that he cut open the wolf. Um, the wolf ate the grandma whole also, and the huntsman came along and cut open the wolf, and the grandma and little red were pulled to safety. Yep. The part that was wrong was that you said that the huntsman just stumbled upon the wolf. Oh, okay. He was hunting the, this wolf. He was, indeed. Okay. Um, yep, so he... They then... Uh, he also didn't decapitate the wolf. Uh, he cut it open while it was sleeping and retrieved them, and then they filled its stomach with stones so that when it woke up and tried to flee, it crushed itself to death. Which, again, just seems very elaborate. Given. <laughs> it, does. <laughs> yes, it does. It's definitely the origins of the... Um, Bugs Bunny, Roadrunner kind of. I know. Of I remember Granny running around with like a rolling pin hitting the wolf, right? <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. The origin of unnecessarily complicated yes. ways to uh, to dispose of yes animals, people, things. So I will um, say that I have read the originals. Probably why I was able to guess. Sydney had yeah. a, an unfair advantage. That was, I think, six points for Sydney, and she also likes the. <clears throat> She also likes the ID channel a lot, so yep. that's <laughs> trying to relate. Murder right up, right up her alley. alley. Yep. <laughs> Fairy tale murders. Yes. Well, right up her dark alley. Hopefully, uh, nobody will be vacationing anywhere horribly dark, or you know. Well, I guess if you're vacationing to Germany, then maybe, but just don't go into the black forest. Um, but yeah, a lot of these stories were kind of um, were fables, like. Don't talk to strangers. Don't wander off into the woods. Uh, they were supposed to have a lesson with them. And the uh, they were not super shocking to people who lived in rural areas because they were already used to things like death um, from either disease or from um, like animals and you know just dealing with that, dealing with the forest, the unknown, that kind of thing. But in urban populations... Uh, these books were a little more shocking because people were uh, more sheltered from living that kind of uh, that kind of life. So there was actually a lot of controversy. Who knows why there was controversy when these horrible stories were released? Uh, these great stories, but horrifying, I should That's say. Interesting. Uh, in the so the cities. Grimm brothers got backlash. They got backlash. Yep. Interesting. Uh, but they found a new life now in the uh, the twentieth and twenty first century. As first, Disney bringing the stories back to kind of a, a fun, cutesy kind of Family thing. friendly. Family friendly thing. <laughs> um, and now, they're kind of transitioning back towards a, uh, a more closer to the original, darker kind of uh, essence of the stories. Crazy. Well, thank you, Cole. Um, speaking of trips, if you are planning your next trip to Germany, I, you know, over the summer or maybe later this year... Uh, not just to Germany, but, you know, anywhere else in the world, anywhere else in your nation. Um, here are some apps that could help you with your travels. So there's no real rhyme or reason to them. Um, I just picked some that I thought were interesting. You can Google them. Well, you can just Google, you know, apps to help with um, trip planning, with your next trip, and all kinds of apps will come and pop up. The first one that I found was called Hopper. So Hopper helps travelers find the cheapest flights possible and can really save you some cash if your dates aren't set in stone. Um, so I thought that was helpful. Um, there's Grab, which allows you to check out what food selections you'll find um, in your airport near your gate. 
in addition to allowing you to pre-order and pick up your food on the way to the gate. Oh, that's oh, wow. interesting. Yeah. That's nice if you have a long layover. Exactly. Yeah. And there's actually a, I think it's called Lounge. It was that, um, that is an app that if you have a long layover, will find you airport lounge deals that you can go and just chill out in these lounges. Nice. So that was interesting. You have Piper, which helps you figure out when and how to tip overseas. So different nations have different tipping um, rules. Some nations you don't tip. Some nations... I like those nations. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Piper, apparently, um, when you look at it, it goes by country. And, um, you know, it's just helpful if you're overseas and you're in a restaurant and not really sure what to do. <laughs> it is meal. helpful. Yeah. yeah. Well, and in, in some other countries, too, like you'll, like it's appropriate to tip like museum staff or yeah. like caddies or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever right. that may be. Yeah. yeah. So that Plus this can help you. Yeah. Even. Yeah. Um, you have Weatherbug. So, I, I mean, I think a lot of us use Weatherbug. It provides weather forecasts. There's TripIt, T R I P. IT. It helps you create a travel itinerary. You can connect your tickets, your airline tickets, well your airline at least, to this app so it knows when you're coming, your gate is, and when you're leaving. So I I did try this app. It is a nice app, however I don't think, at least for me, it wasn't too intuitive. It wasn't as user-friendly. It Once you get used to it, it, it can be, and it's a very nice layout of your trip itinerary but it was just getting up to speed with it for me took wasn't, a while yeah longer than I, what i wanted it to be so i mean there are other there are other trip planner itinerary apps that you can use but if this works for you then you know great again like once you get used to it then you know it's pretty easy to use another app to use is Waze. so dad and i use this app um, quite a bit it's great for the road it is it is a community reporting app, so it will tell you of traffic jams and the fastest routes to get to your destination. However, it does depend on people reporting in the app. So for instance, um, in DC, it's great, and in the surrounding areas. In rural Alabama, it's not. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which I have tried. <laughs> yeah, and in most of back roads, um, if you're out away from the major suburbs, are going to be hit or miss. Right. So, But it still gets you there. It, it still, still gets, gets you there, there. yeah. It's yeah. still GPS. Yeah. But you just don't have as much information about what's going on from here to there. And, right? it, and it usually knows even then about construction or major problems. It's just it won't necessarily tell you where there are slowdowns. Right. Like or police in the area, whatever right. that may be. Yeah, exactly. And I like it better than um, Google Maps. I think most people do. Yeah. Yeah. So if you haven't used it, W-A-Z-E, try it out. I remember Google Maps actually telling me to get out of the car and walk the rest of my way (laughs) at one point, so I just have given it up on it altogether. If you are a Hilton member, uh, there is the Hilton H Honors app. It has a choose your room feature and features a map of the hotel layout. So I thought that was interesting. That is nice. Another one that I like is Airbnb. So this is an app to book a room, a condo, an apartment, a house for a reasonable price wherever you're going. You know, in some cases, if you don't want a hotel, like for instance, I am booking a trip to Disneyland this summer and hotel prices around that around Disneyland in the summer skyrocket yeah. compared to now, yep. unsurprisingly. So um, an Airbnb, I think I booked that entire house, like a small house, 
for the price of one night in a hotel. Wow, that's huge. Yeah. So, but so she yeah, only booked it for a couple hours. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, very helpful. You have so this is this one was interesting. You have time shifter. It starts helping you to avoid jet lag long before your flight takes off, and offers in-flight and post-flight suggestions as well. So if you're afraid of jet lag, for you know, if you're you know going across the country, or even you know if you're going overseas, um, I thought that was an interesting app to have. Mm-hmm. Another one was metric conversions. So this app converts in volume, weight, temperature, area, and more. So I thought that was convenient if you were going overseas and would like something to translate. You have Uber, of course, for getting around places. And the last one I thought was interesting was Trail Wallet. So it is an app that can help you easily track your travel expenses. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So... I have to download a few of these. Yeah, definitely. And actually, I had also been poking around anyways for other apps as well. Like there's an app called Packing List. So you can list, so you can create different lists for different trips. And it basically is a list of all that you'll need for the trip that you can create yourself. I found an app called Tripsy. (laughs) (laughs) And I love it. More than more than the Trip It because it's more visual in my mind. And it's more intuitive and user-friendly. However, the problem is that you can't... So the problem is that the free version, you can only have one trip. And if you want to upgrade to buy it, you can either buy it on a monthly basis or buy it on a yearly basis. You can't just buy the app. So that okay, is so really you're annoying. subscribing. Exactly. So that in and of itself is very annoying to me. Is it Tripsy, T-R-I-P-S-Y? Or S-E-E? S-Y. That's why. Mm-hmm. But you have to subscribe. Yeah. And of course, like, there are, like, travel blog, like, travel journals that you can have. Those are just some fun apps that are helpful and useful to you. And if you're going to Disney, don't forget about the My Disney Experience app for Disney World and Disneyland. Those are two separate apps. Yeah. Let us know what you think of the apps. And... If you're already using them. Yeah. How are they? How do they work? Exactly. Happy traveling. Yes. Well, that was some fun spring topics for... This year, um, we have our future festivities for the week of March 16th. March 16th is Giant Panda Bear Day. March 17th is... St. Patrick's Day. That's right. Followed by March 18th, which is Awkward Moments Day. Is that right <laughs> after the alcohol? <laughs> that, that's true. That could be... March 19th, as Beth mentioned, is the spring equinox or the vernal equinox. March 20th is proposal day. So is that marriage proposals or business proposals? Marriage proposals. (laughs) Okay. Oh, that's funny if that was. (laughs) But it did warn um, people that are hoping for a marriage proposal that this could be a business proposal. So just be (laughs) March 21st is common courtesy day. And March 22nd is international goof off day. As always, you can follow us on social media. On Twitter, we are at holidays underscore moons. On Instagram, we are at holiday moons, all one word. On Facebook, we have a Facebook page and a group that you can find by searching holiday moons in the search bar. And you can contact us at any time by emailing holidaymoons at gmail.com. So for Randy, Beth, Cole, and Sydney, happy spring! spring.